everybody, and welcome to another episode of Flail Forward. We're back again this week, still talking about playtesting feedback. I, again, am your host, Fred, and I have with me Mr. Karas Nowar. Hello. And Kat. Hello. And um, Mr. Jonathan. Hello. And Cavoir. Waffle Boy. <laughs> and Mark. Hello. And, uh, well, Rob's also here, I guess. Hi. What? <laughs> God damn it, Rob. <laughs> yeah, Rob's also here. Yep. All right, great. Um, <laughs> so, as I said, we are back to talk about uh, playtesting and playtesting feedback. Uh, specifically this week, we're going to be talking more about feedback, how to um, get good feedback on playtests, how to ask the right questions, all that kind of stuff. So first off, uh, I'll open the floor to um, just to talk about how people have gotten feedback in the past, what works and what doesn't. Um, I've, I've done a good amount of playtesting at cons just running various scenarios for the game that have have had like pre-made characters and a pre-made scenario and all that and what i learned very quickly is to hand out a feedback form and to hand it out at the start because if you go through four plus hours of sitting at a table playing a game, like probably the most um, mean thing you can do to your players is to ha- suddenly hand them this questionnaire at the end and make them think back through the last several hours to figure out what to write down. So hand it out at the beginning so that people can take notes in the moment. Oh, be upfront with what you want them to. That actually, that's a, that's a really yep. good idea. Like, tell them what you're looking for at the start. Like, here, here are the questions I'm, I'm going to ask. I want you to think about as we're playing. Like, if you know, if you want, please give me feedback. Here's 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 what I need feedback on. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did this work? Did like, this I, not work? Yeah. Because the first couple of times we handed them out at the end, and like the responses we got were. I don't remember. Or, yeah, either. Well, people tend to not write down what they don't remember or that they didn't remember. But what you do get back tends to be very shallow and vague. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, they're, you're asking them to then think back to specific points during the play and prioritize basically everything all at once which is a huge you know task so when you changed and you started giving out the giving out the question at the beginning what'd you notice we got a lot more verbose answers more thoughtful responses and Hmm. more detailed responses um to support that as a corollary, I will say periodically stop 
during play and remind the players to take note of stuff hmm. on their on their questionnaires. Hmm. Like what? Like what did you what did you have them do? Or do you remember like what what like what what things you what told them to look out for? Like people, yeah. Ask. What kind of questions you asked? Uh, it mostly has to do with certain kinds of questions, but the important part is to remind players by prompt that they're there to give feedback. Okay. Yeah, especially makes sense if they're at a convention and they may not remember that that's why they're there. Mm hmm. So, like, you know, it kind of depends on, like, Normally, there's going to be some lull in the narrative, like mm -hmm. just after an important scene or whatnot. Like those are the opportunities to, and you have to remind yourself to get into this habit. Those are the opportunities to, to just prompt the players. Okay, given this and this and this question, how did that work out? Right. That's a, so, that's a, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. You had something to respond to him. I was going to say that's a good way of doing it, especially with like con games where you have sort of a structured timeline. Um, like one of the things that I know I'm looking at is how engaged people are or at what point they lose the engagement. So if that's presented from the beginning and says like when you're not feeling engaged anymore, like think about the sheet because the first question I want to ask is when are you not engaged in it? And that's the moment that people are going to start writing things down. Um, and then with that time structure that you have, the four hour slot or whatever, you can kind of take a break every hour or so and say, okay, everybody, like, this is a good time. If you want to head to the washroom, grab a drink or fill out the, some of the questions on the form, then this is a moment to do so. Um, right. And you can kind of plan for it a little bit better than, um, sort of a more impromptu session with friends. So, yeah. And if you are like planning voluntary breaks into your session, like as the designer slash GM of the session, don't expect that you'll be able to take that break. Yeah. Like at the very least, somebody has to stay at the table to make sure that, you know, some con staff doesn't think it's over and clears it up by mistake. Yep, absolutely. Huh. That's not something I would have ever considered. I've never run a game in a it, con, so yeah, thank you. I, <laughs> I've, I've seen it happen. Huh. Um, I've heard that it's valuable sorry, to uh, take the character sheets. Um, especially if they mm. like, even if they were um, ready-made that you still want to see where people were focusing their attention, like people who take character sheets, they typically write stuff on them and they might circle stuff because it needs to be highlighted or they might uh, add notes. things that margin notes. Clear. Yeah. Yeah. Margin notes. I, I always keep those after sessions. Margin notes are super useful. That's something that's actually kind of handy as well, is that it it can, like, a lot of the time you want to have your character sheet already made, but at the same time, if you don't give them a character sheet and just get them to 
basically make their own and write down what they think is important, you get to see what they actually consider to be important on a regular basis. And you can actually just ask them, like, out of this information, like, use like a highlighter, just circle or underline the sections that you use the most often that you find that you're going back to on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My approach was kind of the opposite because the character sheets for my game don't have a lot of margin space, so there's not room for people to write there. But so, like the opposite approach I took was to let the players keep the the character sheets, mainly because it had con- my contact info on them. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they were basically really oversized business cards. <laughs> More or less, yeah. <laughs> with, with some, you know, function in that they're a character sheet. But yeah, there's various ways you can go about that. Right. Right. Which brings me to another point. If you're like, regardless of if you, especially if you, take the character sheets back to see how they were used mm-hmm. have business cards ready and pass them out mm-hmm. like don't let these players walk away without any way to get a hold remember of which game it was yeah. <laughs> they might forget the name of the game and they mm-hmm. might actually want to come back and play again yeah because if they end up being really interested and have no way to get a hold of you you've lost a huge opportunity. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree completely with that. Um, the thing that's worked for me just recently in the last con that I went to, I printed off copies of the rules, just like a short version. So it was 10 pages, basically, but just enough that it gave an overview of how the game was played. Um, and I handed that out with a business card to each of the players at the table. Um, oh. And that way I was like, here's the rule set. Feel free to like, read it through, pass it along to whomever you like. Um, I intend to post a like complete version soon, but for now, like if you're interested, here you go. Um, and I thought that was great because I got some of the playtesters of my game telling me that they wanted to run it for awesome other people. Um, and that was a great way of getting different feedback as well. Um, yeah. And even just meeting people because other individuals ended up with my like sheets, my, my, game basically and they're like oh i took a look at it it was really interesting uh like tony's gonna run it for me so looking forward to it and that's awesome that's like what i want to hear so <laughs> that's a great yeah. way of getting people to give you continuous feedback as well as giving them free stuff um some people are more protective of their game ip um, which i can understand so mm. I think there's a, a balance to be struck there of what you're going for and how uh, how much you want to monetize your your game. Um, Actually, that's something I'd like to interject really quickly on because it is kind of important. This is something that I did learn from video game design is that uh, be careful about giving information out to players that may change. Like... When you're testing stuff, obviously the point is you want to see what's going to be broken, what needs to be changed. But be careful about 
going into like full open beta, everybody can see your game immediately, the full thing, because they'll look at like an older version be and get really attached to a mechanic that turns out it doesn't work. And no matter what you do to try to fix it, it's not going to work. And you have to strike it from the game and people start getting really upset if you change things, even though it's in like alpha stages or mm. worse pre alpha when you start showing people. So mm -hmm. be careful about how much information you give out, how soon to have mm -hmm. large of an audience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That, that problem though is mostly on those players hands because you know, if it's like in we don't have the yeah because the only fault that can be on the placed on the designer at that point is not making it clear that this game is in is still in development so if a player can look at a game text and think that it's final and then they start using it then uh... you know if if it's clear that this version is temporary or whatever, then that problem is on them. But if it's not clear, then it's on you as the designer. It doesn't matter if it's on them is the problem. If you start getting a bunch of negative reviews and the only people talking about your game is how much they hate it because you changed everything, that can actually be an issue, even if it is technically on them. You still have to work around it. Yeah, yeah. I just yeah, don't so think the we, solution, that we don't solution have the is simple. The solution for that is simple in in that you respond with you were playing a test version and it was not set in stone. Yeah, we don't have the luxury to not, for the most part, like, um, like Mark gave away the stuff that he played with which i suppose he could decide not to do that but one they've seen it and that they would be they would know it even if they don't have it in their hands but in general i'm just not sure that we have the luxury um at the scale we're at to just be very private about our things uh if we want any feedback yeah um, i, I but, yeah I, like I, I take it's, what you're saying, Kat. I'm just, I'm not sure it's even worth considering at this. At especially least, especially if me the game, especially if the game is very large. Like when when I was testing at cons, we would come equipped with four copies of the rules, and even at that time, they were ninety plus pages. Uh -huh. So in like having things printed at Kinko's and whatnot is not cheap. So it's just not viable to let those things walk away. Right. Because, yeah. you know, you know, that stack of pages that's comb bound and is, you know, close to half an inch thick, that's $20 of materials. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But yeah. for games where you can throw together a, <clears throat> throw together a quick start or you know like, like mark's game is 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 fairly small in terms of <clears throat> in terms of what what rules you need to get going mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. so it's more feasible like my my game could i i, I would i'm going to put together a quick start for this um 
but yeah, it's not feasible for me to give away, you know, the 170 some pages of the, of what is going to be the player's guide, you know? Um, right. Or the, or maybe not the player's guide, but like the core rules of the game. Um, mm-hmm. So what I did actually kind of, a, I'm not going to say addresses, but shows how I tackled this. Um, so I did 98% of my development of this game online uh, or with people uh, that wasn't face-to-face. I think I, for the most mm-hmm. part in the development stages of this game, I only played it once uh, face-to-face with someone. And uh, I used uh, Google Forms for feedback. And it's good because it keeps everything in one place. You get to see everyone's answer to the same question right beside each other, which Mm -hmm. can be helpful. Um, It can help you see patterns in how people are seeing certain things. Um, But the questions I asked were pretty straightforward um, and not specific. Uh, So I'll just read them out because I have them in front of me. Uh, First one, this is for Cut to the Chase. Was there anything you found confusing? If so, what? Um, a really did, important one. Yeah. Did you find the play sheet useful? Um, I was really, and still sort of, on, I, I'm still not even 100% set on the play sheet, but I think it's done right. It's it's pretty much almost all you need for the game once mm-hmm. you've read the rules What? So that was something that was important to me, and it still is. Uh, what is the game's biggest weakness? What was the game's biggest strength? And then a couple other things that I was interested in, but um, yeah, I was interested in this, but it it I wasn't sure if it was going to affect how I if I did anything to this. And that was how long did the game take to play? And then I gave some mm-hmm. options uh, based on the hour mark, you know, an hour, a little less, a little more, basically. And then who won, and uh, that was just a balance thing. I wanted to see how that balanced out between the hunter and the prey. Hmm. Um, and then did the game get to a clash action? Uh, and then did would you play it again? Would you recommend it? So those are all the questions that I asked. And then I put one more thing in there. Some people want to add to... Um, maybe talk about their experience or something that they didn't feel was there. Mm-hmm. And I just put something, if you have any other comments, please leave them here. Um, I don't know. Does that sound mm-hmm. like fairly simple? For what cut to the chase is, I think that's pretty complete. Um, I think, but <clears throat> go ahead. I, I think, the questions you're asking are looking at the aspects of the game you're you're saying you want to explore more. Because I think you were saying earlier that um, part of your questions are also about balance. Like, the aspect of does your game get to a clash indicates sort of does you do you reach this climactic point in the game that you want to make sure is reached? Because this is like the highest tension point. Um, and I think that's part of that game balance, if I'm not mistaken, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. It was part of it. Um, and then the last thing I did on this form is I, I had, if you would like a PDF copy of the finished game and a discount on POD copy, please leave your email address. Uh, then, and this was something that was supposed to be like, Hey, thanks for your help. The game is yours. Like whatever finished product you're going to get this. And this is going to carry through, um, to the current, uh, iteration of it, even after the Kickstarter, just these people were so valuable to me, uh, because mm-hmm. there weren't, like I said, you guys already know there wasn't long. I just feel like even though it's not like a big value, like I think they, they put the work in and that's something I'm going to give to them for. I think that's something to also keep in mind as well for your playtesters. They have basically done you a service and giving them a little bit of payment, like just a free copy of the game, for example, is not really a huge cost and it gives goodwill. It makes it more likely for them to talk about the game and does improve like the stretch of just how far people will know about the game. Like, yeah. It's basically almost free advertising. Like you don't want to have like the game for free for everybody unless you've actually built something around that concept. But yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But Jonathan's questionnaire brings us to how to construct that questionnaire. Mm-hmm. Um, the like the thing that I can't stress enough when I tell people how to craft their feedback questions is to ask leading questions. Like if you ask yes or no stuff, that's not valuable to you at all. Like even if, yeah, because they're easy, they're kind of throwaway, and they all kind of seem say the same vague thing. Like even if you do like multiple choice questions, like rating things one to five or whatever, or um, they're good for data points, but they're not necessarily good for design. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just want a few data points. It's not necessarily terrible to have those. Sometimes a straight yes and no like binary question can actually be really handy information. Yeah. But generally like in a more complex game um you can't get all the feedback you want strictly from those. Um like you need to have leading questions that ask how did the how well did this work? What was your feeling toward this mechanic? You know, you need to ask you need to be cross-examining the playtesters to find out exactly what you want. So you have to have um well first, ideally, this kind of back this I'm gonna backtrack a little bit is to say that your initial playtest session or scenario or what whatnot can be very generalized. Um, and you can work things out from that kind of scale. 
But after that, you need to start tightening up and focusing on different things as much as you can. Oh, that's just where and I was that mean... going to go, and I was trying to remember. Sorry. Mm -hmm. So that means, like, if you want to focus on mechanics, you have to craft the narrative around them. Mm -hmm. Or or just tell people, hey, we're going to be doing... I need to run a combat of <laughs> this. Here, here's four characters. I'm going to build out, like, here's going to be... I'm going to... I'm going to make a, this is going to be a combat you're supposed to lose. Let's see if that happens. Is that's one play test I did. It was like, here's four characters. I'm going to make a combat that should be like a losing battle, right? Like by the, by, by what the math I think is going to happen. I think you guys are going to lose. Let's see if you lose. And how, by how badly, how does it feel when it's happening? Is it like, you feel you have some chance and it goes badly or does it feel like just an ass kicking that, the game is just handing you and you have nothing to do about it. Like let's, you know, and, and give me, tell me, I want, I want like what it feels like, you know, tell me if you're feeling frustrated, tell me if you're feeling something like that. Don't, you know, don't worry too much about the rules. I'm, I'm interested in what you're experiencing. That's that, that to me, like asking what you're feeling like that gave me some of the best feedback. Like, because that helped me, that helped me craft the, to the experience I wanted players to have more than any sort of particular idea I had about the rule set. You know, like if, mm -hmm. if players were feeling like, oh, this is one of the best, one of the best feedbacks, I, I one of the pieces of feedback I was happiest to get was at the end of one of those things where we were just doing a combat just to see how it was working. And somebody said like that entire thing was fun. Like there was an arc to it. There was like, it looked like it was going <laughs> to look like somebody dropped something on a table. It looked like we were going to lose, um, you know, it was really tough in the middle. And then we were able to punch through and actually like break a line. And then they sort of collapsed and like there, there felt like there was like this story that, developed as a result of the combat mechanics like even though it was just a session where we were just testing combat there was no story really going on but mm -hmm. and that it was gratifying to to get that but it was based on like what i didn't ask about any particular mechanical feedback you know i was maybe i was confident enough in 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 what i i had at that point that i was just looking for experiential data which is much harder to get, you know, like it's, it's harder for people to sort of examine themselves in the moment and be like, Oh yeah, I am having fun. Or like, no, I am frustrated. I don't understand why, how this works at all. Like, you know? Yeah. Well, whether you're asking for experiential data or mechanical data, mm -hmm. the important thing to remember about craft crafting feedback questions is that you're trying to draw opinions out, not just get answers. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. <clears throat> yeah, you're you're well you're and you're looking for feedback as as Rob said on how it on how it feels because a lot of what we do when we're crafting role playing games is trying to ex exhibit certain feelings or get certain feelings out of players. Um, mm -hmm. um and so I think that that is an important aspect of this is how does this feel? How does it make you feel? Um, you know, those those questions might be a little too open-ended, but 
questions that ask those kind of things about certain aspects are, I think, important. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't usually just leave. I wouldn't ask, like, how did this feel? I would say, did this feel X or mm-hmm. did this, did, what, you know, um, when we were doing combat, were you bored ever? Okay, you know, that's a good question, but did this make you feel X is not the good question because that still comes down to a binary. You don't want, you don't want. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. Questions. Yeah, right. Okay. Like if the, the proper form of that question would be, how did X make you feel? Like leave right. it, you want open-ended questions. You'll get more honest and deep responses. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And varied responses, which is ultimately more informative than just, you know, X number of people said yes and Y number of people said no. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. I think ultimately with a lot of these questions, what we're trying to lead to is you need to understand what the kind of experience you want the players to have. And then the questions are really geared towards how closely does the game match that experience? Mm-hmm. Um, what I ended up doing for the feedback sheet that I had was that I wrote the blurb, like the first little bit of like Praxis Arcanum is a blah, 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 blah. And uh, the first question was, how did the game experience match? Like what parts of the game most accurately match the description uh, and what doesn't fit? So this was the first question that I asked because I really wanted to get at, like in this alpha test, Am I hitting the target of where I want this game to feel like, what I want it to play as from your experience? Um, and I think that's kind of what a lot of these questions are geared towards. Like, if, you're, if your focus is, were you bored during combat? Then I think that's part of the appeal of the game is combat should be exciting because that's the kind of game that you want to design. The experience is to have this high tension, high action moment. And the same with Jonathan's game where it's, were you able to hit the climax of the chase scene? Because that's the experience that I'm trying to sell. Um, And I think it's key to make sure that the participants of your game are engaging in that aspect and they're engaging in a uh, meaningful way to what the experience is that you're trying to give them. So I think a lot of the questions are just geared towards how did you relate to that experience? And what does the game need to do better? What distracted from it? What helped reinforce it? And I think that's kind of the core. Um, and then other questions are usually for specific mechanics, like what did you feel about, um, I don't know, the talent tree that I have included? Um, and I think that gets down to more nitty gritty, but the core questions are still how did this experience feel? Yeah. Which is actually, a, and this, this roundly gets us back to the idea of like knowing what you want out of that. Cause if you're, exactly. if, if you have a design and you put it in front of people and they tell you, like you ask them, <laughs> how did this make you feel? And you get a bunch of responses and you go, I don't know which one of those I actually wanted. Exactly. And then you're in trouble. Like, yeah, it's one of the things you actually have to decide before you get it in front of people. It's like, I want, I want this to feel, I, I, I hope they're going to say X, X and X, you know, 
like this felt desperate. You're making a, a, a game about, you know, going deep underground and in tight and it's more like survival horror dungeon delving than than you know like heroic fantasy right and uh, you want them to say like oh this felt like we're on the edge of ruin at all times or like this exactly. felt like desperate or this felt uh dangerous like you know we were we were really having to be careful and yeah. or, or if they say like oh no this was I, I felt like pretty safe the whole time you're like oh shit okay well <laughs> exactly tuning then you know but if you didn't have a conception of what you wanted them what you were trying to get across expressing your rule set what experience you were trying to get the players to have mm-hmm. then that feedback is not going to help you so exactly have that before you go in yeah you should at, know at point, what the you should know what at that feedback point, is what that experience is you should so know what experience you can ask questions for. like i have it on my sheet what mechanics did you most enjoy? Um, and that's a very open-ended question that can be interpreted with, oh, I really liked uh, the character creation concept, but that doesn't necessarily point to the experience you're trying to deliver. Um, so while that could be good feedback, I think there's always sort of a grain of salt that needs to be delivered with those kinds of feedback questions as well. Of are, are the players responding to the mechanics that deliver the experience I want to deliver? Or are they responding to mechanics that they like because, you know, it made us all laugh and that was uh, a fun moment in the game that in our grim, dark adventure, we don't really get to see. So I think it's very important to keep in mind how everything relates to your story concept, your game concept. I mean, yeah. At some point, they're like the agenda, your testing agenda is going to be fractured. Like some of the stuff is going to be oriented towards has the game achieved its design goals? Mm-hmm. The, the next aspect is um, is the testing um, doing what it's supposed to? And there's probably also, you know, maybe some other parts of it, but you're very rarely testing one thing at a time. I think one thing I want to mention before I forget is that it's not just the questions that you ask your players. It's also the questions that you ask yourself based on what you see your players doing. So your players in a game, just by the nature of them, are going to do something that you did not expect. And you kind of have to ask yourself, did you want them to do that in your game? Do you want this to be part of what the game's actually about? Like, this epic thing that they did that you did not expect them to do, do you want to actually add mechanics to that into the game so that Mm -hmm. it can be done on a regular basis now? Mm-hmm. Well, that goes back to what I was trying to say in the previous episode about, you know, not like recognizing what is the norm for your game and whether or not you're going to lean into any particular event that happened during testing. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good thing. It's a good thing to understand. There's, I, although I, 
I'm trying to think to is if there a point where I was playing and something like really unexpected happened. I don't I can't recall a particular instance of that. Uh the only one the only thing I can think of that was where I was pretty surprised was there was a couple of like character concepts that I wasn't sure were gonna like gel properly. And they turned out to be fine. Um when players sort of did did some things I didn't expect and I wasn't sure if it was gonna work. Um but I didn't but that was only in character that was in character creation. Like the game's generally been the rules are really broad and so there's not a lot that falls outside the scope of what has been established by the setting and so it's i don't really have that problem of like i haven't hit like a corner case in the rules yet where where it wasn't just an instance of like oh i just haven't decided how the rules apply in this situation and i don't know if and now i have to decide if i want to make something specific here or if i want to leave this up to broad interpretation by the players when they get a hold of it um it's a hard thing to know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know because sometimes you can some some something 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 a player does can highlight um something that looks like a hole, which is not actually a hole. It's a, it's a way that you're intending for whoever is going to be running the game to interpret. And you don't want to, there, there, there may be a, a, a temptation to make that interpretation for them, you know? And, and I find myself like sort of trying to find those spots and resist putting in that my interpretation of how those rules should go and just leaving it up to them. That is Um, kind of something that you have to keep in mind when mm playtesting. You have to remember that you will not be there for every single group that will play this game in the future, probably unless you're only making it for this one group. But if you're... Unless you're Cavwar. Yeah, if if you're just making it for one group to play, then it's not that huge a deal. But if you're looking to sell this or something, like, to a lot of people, um, yeah, you have to keep in mind that there's going to be people that will be playing this and you will not be there for it. Everything that's in there, sometimes you want to just hand them the book and not explain anything to them and be like... I need you to actually read through this and see what you think the answer is because I need to know what somebody that just has the book and they do not have access to me, what they're going to think it means. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, you know I... what it means. Well, you know what it's supposed to mean. But yeah. the, there comes a point where you have to be able to separate your own style of playing from the reality of what the game is. Because people with varying styles are going to take up this game and your your own style can influence what the game is, but the game is going to fail if it is dependent on your game, on your play style. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
you can give recommendations and such, but if you're, as you said, if your game is very specific that it's only going to be a fun game if you run it exactly the way that you would run it, right? You might have some problems. So, um, I think something that's important is how we get to the we're done playtesting point. Um, and I'll, I'll give my experience on this because it was kind of like a couple of things. And um, one was the problems that were pointed out became less and less. And even when they were pointed out, they were maybe um, sort of ideological things that I wouldn't change because it would change what I wanted the game to be. Mm. Uh, So that was one point. But another point was just that um, I was beyond, uh, I had no more ability to get playtesters. So (laughs) my resource pool of playtesters was diminishing uh, or had diminished. So I had to make the best game that I could with everything that I had. And mm. and sometimes that's the end of your playtesting. Um, sometimes we can only... Sometimes we can't make... Or I don't know how, if I'm saying this right. We can only do the what we can with the resources we have at the time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important to remember always. Um, and you've a lot of people have used this, uh, especially in game design and uh, writing. Uh, but um, perfect uh, is the enemy of done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, it's perfect yeah. is the enemy of the good. Well, well not for uh, us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Another adage I've heard is like a artistic work is never completed it's just abandoned at some point <laughs> never really I done say abandoned, some point but it's abandoned like you, you have it to stop like y- it'll never be finished there's always something more that you can work on always something more that you can do mm-hmm. you run out of some sort of a finite resource at some point sometimes yeah. it's money sometimes it's potential play testers as jonathan was just mentioning Sometimes it's just your own personal patience where it's like, okay, Mm -hmm. I've worked on this for like three years. I'm done. I don't want to see this for like the next six months until I get this stuff. Fuck away from me. Yeah. And then then there's the other like adage that says a good artist doesn't stop when there's nothing left to add. They stop when there's nothing left to take away. Take away. Yeah. And I'm not sure I agree with that specifically, or that that's the only thing. But yeah, that's it's it's a way of uh, it's a way of thinking about completion. But we definitely should be thinking about completion. But yeah. something interesting, yeah. I'm I still dread having my game out there and people playing it, and <laughs> and now they're just because it's kickstarted, and now people some people have just played it um not to give feedback and it's like what like <laughs> yeah, some it's, people it's even really played weird. it just to 
show it. Yeah, just to do the point of the whole game. So, yeah, to have fun or whatever, right? And, yeah, uh, does anybody here other than Jonathan actually have a published game? Hey. <laughs> what? Yo, what's that? We'll all get there. <laughs> yeah. Technically, I have published games, but not a role-playing game. Okay. Oh, there you go. Uh, I mean, I probably won't, but that's... <laughs> that's well, a I think... personal choice. Yeah. I'm going to publish Kevlar's games. Okay. <laughs> yes. I will also publish Kevlar's games. In <laughs> fact, we will both claim ownership of Kevlar's game, yeah, fight over yeah. it publicly, cause a huge uh, you know, beef in the RPG community, have a, and have a very public reunion and <laughs> win all the publicity. I don't know. I totally see you having like Kevlar on stage with each of you grabbing like one of his arms and trying to tug him either way. <laughs> yeah. And Kevlar then, here and then represented by a black cat that isn't me at any level. Sure. Yeah. That'll be that'll be slightly more acceptable to rip the black cat in half other than a you know. Well, I don't think it really rips in half. It just pops into a puff of purple smoke. Oh sure, okay. Yeah. We're gonna do that way. That's fine. <laughs> Yeah, Set Kevlar in the middle of the stage and have you stand at either end and go, okay, which one does he go to first? <laughs> yeah, either that or everyone ends up cursed, but you know, it's fine. <laughs> they were going to end up cursed anyway. Yeah. I mean, if they wanted to play one of our games, they probably already were. <laughs> um, okay. So another hey, question we have. Don't speak badly of it. Akatsuki <laughs> is great. I mean, it might curse you, but it's still good. It'd be a good curse. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good marketing. And it's like it, it's it it it's only a little bit of a curse. So it, it's probably something mm-hmm. like every three years you're guaranteed to stub your toe. And it's like yeah, that's not too bad. And I was going to do that anyway. Or your, um, your milk curdles in half the time. <laughs> clearly, the curse of Cutsla Chase is uh, by playing the game, you are guaranteed to at some point be in a stress, experience a stressful trace scene at some in your life. <laughs> That's great. Um, well, but another... start just playing the game to get that. <laughs> Another question that has come up here and that we want to answer is how is playtesting different from normal play? Um, we've talked about this a bit with like penning out questionnaires and recording and etc. Um, but is there anything else that makes it more specifically different? Um, that you know makes the environment different? Playtesting, in my experience, takes 30 to 50 percent longer than regular play. Like, yeah, if you're sitting mm-hmm. down to do playtesting, especially if it's with people who have never seen the game before, you have to spend time introducing it, and then you have to deal with the questionnaires, and then you have to deal with getting the play started. <clears throat> and during the play, there's going to be more than the usual amount of questions from players. And then you have to stop play early so that you can have the feedback and set part and Q&A and whatnot, and just a general debrief kind of portion. So yeah, if if you're if you've got a four hour slot at a con, expect to get only about two and a half hours of real play out of it. Right. Yeah. 
And I think as a strictly as a play tester, not as a designer, we have to actively think about uh, and and express uh, or evaluate our experience as we play, where we we don't really we definitely don't always do that. Um, it, it takes a, a cognitive like there's a demand there. There's there's an agreement that you've made by by play testing, and at least you should attempt to uh, put the extra effort in to to give the responses that uh, the the designers are looking for. Mm-hmm. I've also noticed that when I was I've been doing my play testing, I've been finding that there's often something that I'll come across in like the book or whatever that somebody would be like, okay. I'm going to do this. How do I do it? And then it's like, I don't look at what's written down there because I just changed it and I forgot to write that down. Or they'll ask a question. It's like, hmm, I actually don't know. Give me a moment to make a rule off the top of my head and then I'll add that in later to refine it a little more. Like, there's a lot of things that it's different just because it's not finished. Yeah. You know, I've done the, I mean, I've done something pretty similar with an actual published game that I didn't write, Catrice, <laughs> but I know what you mean. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. I think to some degree, technically, every game you play is still kind of partially play testing, just not to quite the same degree. <laughs> yeah. Well, kind of. There's always going to be rulings you're going to have to make and stuff like that. Yeah. It's never, nothing's ever totally perfect. So that's fine. Yeah. But when you are actively play testing something that you know is not finished, yeah. it's a bit more obvious that you end up having to do essentially um, house rules on the spot or judgment calls that you normally would not need to mm-hmm. in yeah. just a regular finish game. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. Is there anything we missed that people want to bring up? Hmm. Any uh, points that that just got lost or anything we want to talk about that didn't get uh, brought up before we Do you want uh, to get a bit more into methods of putting your game out there for people to see? Or do you think we covered that well enough? Mm-hmm. I mean, we said something. That's some, a different topic. Mostly. I, I feel like that that's bigger than that's bigger than. Yeah. Podcast. Okay. Cause that's, okay. that's like marketing and, and social media and all that kind of stuff there. That's a deep hole. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in the middle of trying to, get into that right now it's a very very deep hole and there's a lot of counterintuitive stuff i'm learning that it's like this i would never have figured this out like once i hear it it's like okay i can kind of see the logic behind why this works this way but it's like this is not what i would have thought at all yeah all right we'll keep the topic for another time when we get to the when we get to talking about that i want to hear about that what that was yeah, I've added it to the topics list because we are a very professional <laughs> organization. 
<laughs> good but yeah in general you know get your game out there uh, if you can get it play tested by people you don't know at all that's amazing yeah. that's fantastic um yeah. and you know do that yes definitely do that as much as you can for sure um mm. but that's that's just hard to do it's just yeah it is you know if you're if you don't live in a big city if you and if you live in a city that's like even even a sizable one that doesn't really have like a tabletop community, it can be really hard, you know, and the internet and tabletop simulator are going to be your best bets. Um, you know, World 20 and stuff like that. Yep. Yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, RPG Smith is another one. I actually wanted to give a shout out to them because they um, they were they were uh, flogging their their website on the RPG design subreddit. And I was like, I you know, they're like, you could play any game with this. And I was like, I can't, I can't play my game with it. And they messaged me like a week and a half after that conversation with like, Hey, we a- implemented stuff to make your game work. <laughs> I was like, Oh shit. All right. That, all right. Oh, hey, shit. cool. Fantastic. Yeah. That, that yeah, actually that, makes that, sense. Like if they're trying to make it so it's universally possible, if they uh-huh. find so at least one game that doesn't work they're like okay there's new stuff we need to add then (laughs) if if i if i had done that it would have it would have either taken them months to respond with we implemented all your stuff or they would have just said fuck it (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh, 2d10 they could do they can already do that it was just like because your yours is like two, it, it's roll two d ten and then do stuff post roll with the two d ten. The two d ten isn't actually that tricky. Yeah, like if if they well, can do, it's not actually it's not actually two d ten. It's percentile, but it has to do with tearing the two digits apart and doing stuff with them independently. Right, mm-hmm. making it two d ten. Yeah, yeah, and then you can just set tiles for stuff. one thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, roll twenty has just if it said do you want you know a d percentile roll, it outputs both the <laughs> percentile and the input numbers. Like it's it's fairly simple as far you know as far as I can as far as I know. Yeah. Um. But anyway, uh, again, any last minute comments about playtesting feedback that we missed? Um. Any important mm-hmm. things that we didn't bring up? My head. Um. Oh, John's Kickstarter probably has two days left after this episode goes up. Go get some art in this book. Yeah, it's funded. So, oh, yep. yeah, Con- yeah. I mean, that's congrats are in order. Where it's funded. Yeah, we're yes. we're doing the the plug on the second episode, which won't be out until after the end of the the show. Shit. <laughs> um. Okay. I will. Um. Yeah. You're right. No, I will put yep. a thing in yep. the first one. Yes, good yes. point. Don't put a thing at the start. Yep. It's, yeah, it's no a problem. big deal. But yeah, it's funded. And the more money I get, the more art can go into this thing. And that oh. is something I look forward to. Oh, yeah, it's win. Yeah. yeah. Yep. All right. Cool. Um, well, anyway, Jonathan's game is probably already funded by the time this goes up. And Kickstarter is already well, done. It already or it's already funded. funded but the Kickstarter is yeah. done. Um, yes. but you know, if, if you're, if that was interested you, I'm sure after that you can go buy it, um, on drive through, I, I mm-hmm. assume right, Jonathan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Great. Yep, I, yep. when it, whenever it comes out, it'll be great. Um, you can go buy cut to the chase on drive through. Um, but I think, uh, that will be everything for us for now. 
Um, so thank you for listening to another episode of Flow Forward uh, from me, Fred, and Mr. Carr, and Kat, and Jonathan, and Cavoir, and Mark, and Rob. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Have a good night. <laughs> good night. Good night. Good night.